Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now let's go to this week's message. Wow, what a great morning. Give yourself a hand today. It looks great that you're here. We thank God for those of you that are watching on our Father's House website page today. We are not broadcasting on Facebook this month. Uh, We're doing our uh, website, which has a lot of other information, so be sure to do that. But man, it's good to see you today. We're going to start a brand new series. I'm excited. A couple things. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, I'm going to do a teaching that I've never done before on the Lord's table. I think sometimes we don't understand the anointing and the victory and the power that comes through celebrating communion or the Lord's table. So I really want to take some time to go into depth Wednesday night. So I really would like for you to be here. I think it'll change your life. And also tomorrow we start a brand new version Bible study of the morning, and it's called 21 uh, uh, Gifts of Advent, and it'll go all the way through Christmas. So you remember, go to the website, scroll down through there and sign up and join us. And uh, hey, I got the neatest, uh, neatest little connection card last week, and it was... Uh, it was from, yes, and we do read these and we do pray for these. It was from a guy by the name of Mr. Sinner. That, that's how he labeled himself, Mr. Sinner. And here's what he said. I really like the lady who taught today. You need to give her more stage time. I thought, boy, that is really great. And Andrea did a great job last week, didn't she? Here's what you'll know about the Father's house. The Father's house is not built on me. You don't see my name on a sign anywhere, Anita's name. The Father's house is his. It's a rock to our community. Uh, and uh, so there's a lot of different speakers that speak, and whoever speaks carries the anointing of God, and we're just so thankful. So uh, open your Bible with me to uh, Ephesians, and I'll be going there in just a minute. But we're going to pray today and ask God to anoint and help us today. In fact, let's go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. It says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man, say put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Father, we come to you today and we just thank you for this season that you came to be with us. You became us so that we could become like you. And so today I pray as we begin this series of looking into maybe the reels of Hollywood and how they can tell us of the real Christmas, because that's what it's all about, Lord. Forgive us sometimes for get caught up in the trappings and then even resent the Christmas season, but it's about you. So help us to have fresh look, fresh lens. And Lord, I pray today that you will help me to say what you want me to say. Don't let me to say anything I shouldn't say. And Father, I pray today that you might be glorified, that the saints might be edified, and the devil might be terrified today in the name of Jesus. Well, I don't know what your favorite Christmas movie is, but we're going to be looking at several. And today we're going to look at uh, and talk a little bit about the original Santa Claus with Tim Allen. And it's a great 
little fun movie. And if you remember, Tim Allen, his character in the movie is a toy salesman. And he hears, uh, he hears a noise up on the top of his house and he goes outside and he surprises Santa. Tragically, Santa falls off the roof and dies of an accident. Of course, Santa can't die, right? Somebody has to deliver the toys. So there's a card in Santa's uniform. So Tim Allen's character picks it up and it says, put on the what? Put on the suit, put on the suit, put on the Santa suit. And the reindeer will know what to do. Well, in essence, he does that. And uh, he delivers the gifts. And he ends back up at the North Pole. And when he gets to the North Pole that night, he learns about the claws at the end of the contract. Watch this clip from Bernard as he tells him about the claws. Look, I am not Santa Claus. Ah, did you or did you not read the card? Yeah, I read the then card. Then you're the new Santa. In putting on the hat and jacket, you accepted the contract. What contract? The card in the Santa suit. You said you read it, right? So when you put on the suit, he fell subject to the Santa Claus. Here. The Santa Claus? Oh, you mean the guy that fell off my roof? No, no, no. Not Santa Claus the person. Santa Claus the clause. What? Look, you're a businessman, right? Yeah. Okay. A clause as in the last line of a contract. You got the card? Okay, look. The Santa Claus. And putting on the suit and entering the sleigh, the wearer waves any and all rights to any previous identity, real or implied, and fully accepts the duties and responsibilities of Santa Claus in perpetuity until such time that wearer becomes unable to do so by either accident or design. What does that mean? It means you put on the suit, you're the big guy. <laughs> he wasn't, he didn't know about the claws until after he put the suit on. And the rest of the movie deals with the changes in Tim Allen's life. Uh, he grows a beard and he shaves and instantly the beard comes back again. Uh, his uh, hair is, uh, turns white and he puts dye on it, but then it, quickly it comes back white again. And then his belly gets bigger and bigger. He tries to go to the gym, change his eating habits, but he just has that Santa belly. And his attitude changes. He finds himself saying, ho, 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 a lot. When he put on the suit, his life changed. How he looked changed. How he thought changed. And how he acted changed. It changed everything about him. Now, the Bible says that we, when we become believers, we put off something that's old, the old us, and we put on the new man, we put on Jesus, and we're never the same again. Paul says in Romans 13 and 14 that we're to put on Christ. So when people see us, when we walk out of here, they should see Christ in us, living out of us, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's like we, we put him on. I read the story this week of in 1999 uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, there was a department store that had a Santa Claus that didn't behave like Santa Claus ought to behave. So a mother came in, she was standing in line, they were getting their picture, and she put her little one-and-a-half-year baby down in that lap of Santa Claus, and the baby began to cry and scream, and she said, just, just love him a little bit, just, just tell him you know you're Santa Claus. And Santa Claus became belligerent. 
He said, as he handed the baby back to the lady as he was crying, he said, now, was it worth it? Was it worth you torturing your kid for a picture with me? You must be a real evil person that would torture your kid like that. She said, I'm filing a complaint against you. You're not a Santa Claus. You shouldn't even be around kids. He said, you can complain about me all you want, but I'm Santa Claus. I'm the greatest person in the world and I'm good. She said, you ought to not be around kids. He became so angry, he jumped up from the chair. He began to rip off his Santa costume. He pulled his beard off. He pulled his hat off. He pulled his coat off. And parents that were standing around there quickly put their eyes in front of their children's eyes so they couldn't see what Santa was doing. And he was promptly escorted by the security guards out of the department store. So my question to you is, did that man reflect the spirit of the suit that he'd put on? Of course not. Ephesians 4 says that we're to put on this new nature of Christ. So that means it's not just raising our hand on a Sunday, but it's a lifestyle that we live. In fact, all of Ephesians 4, which carries the story that we're looking in today, talks about the spiritual growth after we become a follower of Jesus. You see, becoming a follower of Jesus is more than just, as we say sometimes, would you raise your hand if you want to pray that prayer today or would you come down front? We said, you know, it's, it's a journey. So we'll say to people, you need to uh, go back to the new, new uh, go back to the first steps table and there we're going to give you a book and we're going to give you some information to help you on the journey. It amazes me sometimes people will pray the prayer because they want to go to heaven, but they don't want a life change. You ever notice that? So here's my question to you. How many of you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are a Christ follower? Would you raise your hand? Now let me ask you this. Since you became a Christ follower... Has there been a change in your life? Second of all, I have to ask you now, are you still growing? Are you still growing? Are you becoming more like Jesus? You see, spiritual growth is becoming like Jesus. It's a process. Say process. It's a process. Salvation is instant. When I pray and confess Jesus, confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that he is the Lord and God raised him on the third day, that, that, that happens instantly. But after that, then I began on a journey of becoming more like Christ. Here's what I know. Spiritual growth is not automatic. Say not automatic. Just because you've been a Christian for 40 or 50 years doesn't mean that you've grown spiritually. The fact that you've been saved by grace doesn't really mean that you've grown in grace. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 5. You've been a Christian a long time now. Say long time. And you ought to be teaching others. But instead, you've dropped back to the place where you need someone to teach you all over again the first principles of God's word. You're like babies who can drink only milk, not old enough for solid food. 
When a person is still living on milk, spiritual milk, it shows he isn't very far along on the process, not far along on a Christian life. And he doesn't know much about the difference between right and wrong. Say it with me. He's still a baby Christian. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a baby Christian? Now, we'd all hope that we're not, right? We'd hope that through the years that we've grown, but listen, spiritual growth is not automatic, and spiritual growth is, here's the big one, ongoing. Say ongoing. It never ends. It never ends. Your spiritual growth will never end. There isn't a person here today who couldn't grow more spiritually. So in our passage today, there are three actions that spiritually growing people will take. And here they are. Number one, write this down. Put off the old, which means let go of the old. Write it down. Say it with me. Let's say it together. Put off the old. Let go of the old. Spiritual growing people let go of the old lifestyle. Paul writes, here's that same verse from the Living Bible, throw off your old nature, your evil nature, and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. He's saying, listen, when you raise your hand, when you walk the aisle, when you pray that prayer that you want to be a Christ follower, he said, the next thing you need to get involved in is the process. You need to begin throwing off, getting rid of all the things that you lusted after that were deceptive to you in your past. I love the message translation of this, and it says this. In fact, would you read it with me? Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. So, we're to let go. So what, are, what should we let go of? Let me give you three things you need to let go of. Number one, you need to let go of guilt. Say guilt. guilt. One of Satan's greatest tools is a false sense of guilt. If you're a believer and you start drawing close to God, maybe you get involved in serving, you go to a growth track, or, 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 or maybe you, you, you get ready to do something else with your life, and then the devil, he likes to rerun. He likes to rerun how your life was. And, you, and he says, you, you, you can never be close to God. Remember what you did? Remember how you acted before you became a believer? Remember that? And he keeps bringing up the old movies in our mind of what we used to be like. Well, if I'm going to grow spiritually, I've got to let go of the guilt of my past. Here's what the Bible says, Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. What kind of condemnation? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life, say it with me, has set me free from the law of sin and death. I don't carry around the guilt of my past anymore. I simply say, nope. That person is dead. I live new, and you will not keep me bound down with guilt. Get rid of guilt, right? Let go of guilt. Second of all, let go of... Now, this, this may even seem, seem like doesn't make sense. Let go of trying harder. 
Isn't that what we do if something goes wrong? I'm going to do better. I promise I'm going to do better, God. Please forgive me. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. Here's what the scripture says. Philippians 3, 7 through 9. I once thought all these things were so very important, but now I consider them worthless when compared to the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have, what's it say? I have discarded everything else. Everything else, my old, I've discarded it. The good and the bad, I've just, I just cussed, cussed it out because the only thing that matters is the Jesus Christ that is in me. He said, I just count my past as garbage so that I may have Jesus Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own goodness. Look at that. I don't count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law, but I trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with him depends on faith. What he's saying is that no amount of keeping the law, no amount of self-improvement. I think one of the worst things that's happening in the church world today is that so many sermons are about self-improvement instead of having faith in the only one that can change our life. When I look at some of the titles and I look at some of the things on the internet, I see the really great motivational things for the mind, but they're all about what you can do about your life, your self-improvement, how you can say the right things, do the right things, and all of those are important. But really, it comes down to this. I have to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I can't just make myself become a better person through self-effort. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in me, right? So I've got to let go, let go of my guilt. I've got to let go of trying harder. And I've got to let go of my BC, before Christ's life. Let go of that. Paul says in Ephesians 4 and 22, throw off, there it is again, throw off the old evil nature, throw it off, and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. You say, well, what should I be throwing off? Well, Paul gives us a a kind of a summary of things, not the total list, but in Galatians 5, he says this, get rid of sexual immorality, get rid of idolatry, anything that would come before God in your life, get rid of participating in demonic activities, get rid of drunkenness and wild parties. Those behaviors will not cultivate the life of Christ. Well, how do I do that? How do I, how do I make a break from my past behavior? If I'm not supposed to live there, if I'm supposed to throw this off, then how do I make a break? Well, here they are. Become aware of the problem. You have to become aware of the problem. Every day we should ask God, God, is there anything in my life that's not of you? Is there anything that would mess up my life that would, that would show that I'm not yours? That's why David says in Psalm 139, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything that offends you and lead me along a path of everlasting life. Notice, it's not a one-time done and deal. Keep leading me. Keep leading me. Do we pray that every day? Or do we just pray, Lord, bless me, bless me, help me, God, help my family. No, we, we should take time to think about this uniform that I'm wearing, this Jesus Christ that I'm wearing. How do people see me? Lord, As I'm going to work today, if there's things in my life that would diminish you, show me what they are so that I can confess them, so that I can ask the Holy Spirit to help me with that. 
So I, I become aware of the problem and I ask God for help. Jesus said, let us pray like this. Don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All of us have temptations that come to our life and we can't handle those on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. I love the verse that says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in your life. So I ask God's help. But we get so condemned, right? Man, I should have done better. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have watched that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have eaten that second, third, and fourth portion. I should have taken care of those. And, oh, me, I'm so terrible. We just simply say, Lord, I need your help. <clears throat> this temptation is more than I can handle on myself. I need your help. And realize the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in me. And then we need to not only just become aware of the problem and ask God for help, but we need to take decisive action. We have to do something, do something. Not just think, well, you know, someday I'm going to do something. And then fourthly, we need to get some help. Uh, we need to get some help. We're, and you're not in this struggle alone. <clears throat> That's why it's important for you to be in part of a life group. I would encourage you, if you have hurts, habits, and hangups, to get into our Monday night Celebrate Recovery, which will change your life. So we need to break from past behaviors. So how do we change? We got to let go of the old. And second of all, we got to put on the new. Say put on the new. We need to display a new nature. Display a new nature. Ephesians 4 and 24 from the ESV says, you must display a new nature because you are a what? A new person created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. Colossians 3 and 10 says, in its place, you've clothed yourself with a brand new nature that you've clothed yourself. You see, we, we say, Lord, just, just come on, Lord, do it. Just change me, Lord. Just change me. Just change me. And he says, I'm going to change the inside of you. But now you need to work at making sure the outside matches up with the character of the inside that I've put in you. And so he's saying here in this Colossians, clothe yourself with a brand new nature <clears throat> that is constantly being renewed as you learn, how, how does, what's it say? As you do what? Learn more and more about Christ who created this new nature within you. You have to put on this new life. It's, you're changed on the inside. Your sins are forgiven. You don't earn the new life. You don't have to keep the new life. You're not backsliding every hour on the hour. But one thing you have to do is to display a new nature because you are a new person created in Christ Jesus. How many of you were in the military? Remember when you put that uniform on, they reminded you, you are now not only representing yourself, you're representing the, the service, that, uh, the arm of the service that you're there. You're representing the United States. So maybe some of the old things you might have done, you can't do now because you're representing. Let's think about it like this. I become a believer, a Christ believer, and then God sends me a new suit, a $10,000 three-piece suit. And he says, B, 
because you're my kid, now I want you to put on this new suit. So I look at it, and I try it on, and I realize that if I'm going to wear that new suit, I got to kind of suck my belly in a little bit. You know, I got to maybe stand a little taller because it doesn't fit if I'm slouching and flopping all over the place. And so what happens a lot of times, we just go to what's been comfortable. We go to our old bag of comfy clothes, clothes that are, has a lot of stretch in them, right? You know how it is. After you've eaten that meal, you say, let me put on some of those stretchy things. And so we just pull out, we pull things out of the bag that's been comfortable for us to wear. But he says, no, I want you to put away some of those old things that you live just because it's, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic in the old you, and you realize they're from the father's house, so he's like, You've got something to put on. So how do you do with that? That's one of the reasons why you, you need to be in a growth track. You need to be studying and get rid of those things. You see, he's moving us from an attitude of don't do to an attitude of do. You meet a lot of people in their Christian life as well. You know, I don't go to movies. I don't cuss. I don't swear. I don't drink. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't do something else. And their whole life is about a bunch of don'ts. But he says, I want you to put on this new suit. And I want you to start living not on the negative, but I want you to live on the positive of what you're doing that represents the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what this Christmas season is all about. And there's one more thing. It's not just putting off things, and it's not just putting on things, but the third thing we do to spiritually grow is that we need to be renewed in our minds. Say renewed. Renewed, renewed in our mind. It's a change from the inside out. See, here's what I hope that you catch this morning because some of you are beating yourself up because you, 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 you're not, you don't feel like you're wearing this suit real good. Why? Because you're trying on your own. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, if, it, if it kills me, I'm going to become better. And so you spend all of your life trying to turn yourself in a different direction. Ephesians 4 and 23 in the ESV says, instead... There must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. You say, he, he says, well, how, what do I put off and what, how do I put it on? How, how do I do that? And he says, time out. It starts with something that happens on the inside. You've got to start thinking the way the Bible says. You've got to start thinking like Jesus, not like the world. You may get to renew, reprogram your mind. Andrea talked about this last week and all week long. If you've been on the Version Bible study plan, it's been about renewing your mind. Romans 12 and 2 says, read it out loud with me, would you? It's so good. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God wants to work inside of us by changing the way that we think. 
Now, some of you younger people will never remember this, but years ago, how many of you remember when you used to fly on an airplane, the door to the cockpit was open a lot. And on those long journeys across wherever you were, across the Atlantic, as you're getting up and walking around, you could actually walk up to the door and you could see the pilot setting in there. And you didn't see them with their hands desperately clutching the wheel. What'd you see them? Sitting back, having a cup of coffee, chatting, looking. Think, whew, what's, we're, we're, we're out of control. No, not out of control. The pilot had the plane on autopilot. And the autopilot programmed to act in the right way, just flying on course. I'm sorry some of you younger people can't see that anymore, but it does happen, right? Do you remember when you first learned to drive? Now, many of you don't identify with this, but you get in the car, you know, and you adjust the seat, make sure everything is right, and then uh, you would uh, push the clutch in. How many of you remember a clutch? Yeah. I love that Tim Tebow movie where he's trying to learn how to drive with a clutch, the advertisement. Push in the clutch, make sure everything's right, move it to neutral, and then you turn the key on, and then you push the clutch in, and then you think, okay, now I've got to put it in first. I've got to put it in first. I've got to give it a little gas, let off the clutch, you know, do it a little together. <laughs> But after you did that so many times, I mean, when you get in your car to go home today, you become on automatic pilot. You jump in the car, you grab the seatbelt, you put it on, unless you're Nate, and you, uh, you turn the key on, and you begin to drive, and you begin to move in such a way, and, that, and it's autopilot. It's auto autopilot. And I think so many times what happens to us is that we become a believer in Christ, we become a follower, but we don't try to put on what's new, but we have our mind programmed with a lot of movies that we shouldn't watch, a lot of things that we shouldn't watch, a lot of things we take into our eyes and our ears. And so instead of being on an autopilot to become more like Christ, we're on an autopilot that's more like the world. So temptation comes. And you say, I've got, I've got to make sure that I turn my life in this way. I'm not going to yield to this temptation anymore. But the moment you let up, back here. Why? Because through years and years and years, you've created a channel in your mind where you've yielded to sin. You've yielded to thoughts that are not right. You've yielded to those, and then you get under condemnation when you come to church, and then all of that, and you say, I'm, okay, Terry, I'm going to do better this week. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. You see, here's what the pilot can do. The autopilot is on, and if he sees something he needs to change, the pilot can override the autopilot. He has that ability. But then as soon as he lets go, the plane's back on autopilot. That's what he's saying here about renewing our mind. I need to renew my mind with the truth of God's word so that 
I don't have to try to override autopilot, but autopilot is to become more like Christ, more like Christ. And, and so we want to live that way. We want, to, we want to be able to let our lives, we want to change the old way of thinking. Here's what Romans 12 and 2 from the Amplified says. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually. Here's how. By renewing your mind, focusing on godly values, ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and his purpose for you. Every quarter, we have a time of fasting. Our next one is the first, second, and third of um, January. Second, third, and fourth of January. And at the end of that, then we have a, uh, a night of celebration, which we come on Wednesday night and celebrate. So I would really encourage you. You can go to our Father's House website. In fact, you can use in, in today's um, uh, bulletin there on the back or a sermon guide. You see where it says scan for more information about the quarterly fast? You can actually take your phone and you can scan on that QR code and it'll immediately take you to the Father's House quarterly corporate fasting page where you get a lot of information about fasting. And then during that time, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at 6 a.m. on the Father's House uh, Facebook page. I'm going to give you a morning type of what we can pray for. And so that's coming up in January because we want you to become, to be more programmed to be like Christ. So you say, well, how can I put on Christ? He says, I need to put off the old things, but how can I put on Christ? You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer, but how can I put him on? How can I put on this new suit? This is a long passage, but I want you to look at it on the Sky Bible, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. That's what Christmas is all about, right? He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example. Even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion, because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He's now been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone one day will submit to his name. In the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. Read verse 11 with me. And every tongue will... All right. The next verse, do we have 11? And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ, the Lord is Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God his Father. As one person used once said, to get ready for Christmas, catch this now, God undressed himself. He, he took off the finery and the royalty and the regalness of heaven, and he appeared, how embarrassingly, naked as a little baby in a manger. 
God could not be one with us unless he could put on our flesh. Jesus took off the God nature and he took on flesh. And by the way, he still wears that flesh nature today. And when you see him in heaven, you'll see the scars in his hands. You'll see the scar in his side. You'll see that. Why? Because once he took on your nature and my nature, he identified with us forever. He became like us so that we could become like him. So that I could take off the old me and I could put on the new him. And so when I walk out of here this morning, it's like I'm walking in a uniform that people say, there's something different about them. Because I've read the clause. And the clause says that when I invite Jesus Christ into my life, it changes everything about me. I read the story of a pastor who walked in the church sanctuary one, more, one day as he was studying. And he discovered a bird flying around inside the sanctuary. That happened quite a lot. And so at times what he would do is he'd open up all the windows in the sanctuary, he'd open up the doors, and, and the birds would find a way and they would fly out. But on that particular day, this one little bird, he wouldn't go. So he went to get the broom and he shooed him towards the window and the little bird would look like he's going to fly towards the window. Then he'd fly back in the sanctuary. And he'd take the broom and he'd shoo him towards the door and it looked like he was going to go out the door, but he'd fly back in the sanctuary. And the pastor looked and he remembered thinking, if I could only communicate with this bird, I would say to him, I'm not going to hurt you with this broom. I want to help you to find the freedom that you need. He said, then it dawned on me. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. We really couldn't understand the freedom until he became like man so that he could walk, so that he could talk, so that he could show us how to walk in victory. And that's what Christmas is all about. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, look up here just a minute. You might be trying to be a better person. Maybe you're trying to be a better spouse or a better parent. Maybe you're trying today to conquer some bad habits. But let me tell you something. You can't. You can't. You can't, let me finish that sentence, in your own power. It's the Holy Spirit. It's this suit that he has given us. It says, I renew my mind to the truth of his word in that daily you version. As I, as I spend time in fasting and seeking and I'm watching the things that would enhance my life instead of diminishing my life. Growing spiritually is not automatic. We have to take an action. So my question for you today is, what one step do you need to take today to grow? Why don't you write that down there on your notes? Today, I'm going to do this to grow. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be more thoughtful about what I watch. I'm going to be more thoughtful about what I say. I'm going to think more about how I look in the world. Am I acting like Jesus? Or am I just acting like another person in the world? One word, though, you can't really change and become like Jesus until you take the first step. And the first step, of course, is giving your life to Jesus. Bringing all of your mistakes, 
all of your past, bringing them to Jesus today, right now. Just saying simply, Jesus, I'm going to surrender my life to you and I'm going to trust you. And you know what he'll do today? He'll take all of your mistakes and all of your sins and all of your failure and he'll wipe them away. And he'll give you a clean slate. He'll give you a purpose for living. He'll give you a brand new $10,000 suit that you'll wear that changes your life. And people say, boy, there's something different about you. What is there different about you? You just, you just, you stand a little taller. You, 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 you smile more. You, I mean, you're more compassionate. You don't get upset as much before. Well, I'm in process. I'm taking off the old me and all my stretchy clothes that I wear because it's comfort. And I'm putting on Jesus, his actions. So that when I walk out of here and people see me, they'll say, there's just something different about you. Something different. Something different. Would you bow your head with me? I want to pray with you today and believe with you that Jesus is able to help us take that one step that you wrote down a few minutes ago. What is that one step? Lord, I pray that you would help us today as believers to not only just hear this teaching today, but take off the old way of life and put you on. And it's not something I can do by self-effort, but I do it by yielding myself to you. Now, as you continue to pray for yourself, I want to pray today for anyone that's here. Maybe you've been trying to do better. You've been trying to live right, but it just seems like that nothing is working in your life. But today you feel the Lord just knocking on your heart's door and saying, hey, let me in. You've been trying too hard on your own. I went to the cross and died for your sins to give you freedom, purpose for life, and a home in heaven. Listen to me. If you're here today and you're watching online and you say, Terry, I want to be sure without a shadow of a doubt that my life, that my life is surrendered to Jesus. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to do a simple thing. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. But by raising your hand, simply say, I know that instantaneously my sins can be forgiven me today. But I also know that I'm embarking on a journey to become like Christ to become like Christ. So today, if you're here in this house or you're watching online, and you say, you know, that's the decision I need to make today. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm lost, and I need to be found. I need a Savior, and His name is Jesus. Right now, as the Lord is speaking to your heart, as, as, as you sense Him drawing you near to Him, you say, yep, that's a prayer I need to pray today. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say, yeah, that's me today. I need to pray that prayer today. Thank you. Others today. Others today. Thank you. Others today. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Others today. Thank you. Online, just raise your hand right where you are. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and those of you that raised your hand over here and here and back over here and here and online, I'm going to give you words, but it's up to you to surrender the heart. So would you pray this prayer with me? We'll all pray it together because we've all prayed a prayer like this at some time or another if we're a believer. 
Pray this with me. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to me and finding me and reminding me today what Christmas is all about. You came here to reach me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. As best as I know how, I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to help you continue that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com forward slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and make disciples.